2: It is time right now on WDEV for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today is brought to you by Menards Family-Owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you. They're on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By P&R Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Wolcott. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all, on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. Telephone lines are open for your gardening questions and comments about how your garden is growing, 802-244-1777, and the toll-free line, 877-291-8255. And right now, here is the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel, thanks. How are you today? Okie dokie.
3: Yeah. yeah, it looks nice out there. We had our rain, got that out of our system and it's, uh, and it looks like it's going to be a nice day. Now one thing I noticed was that folks have decided on their own to wear masks again in stores and around town. Good for you, I say. Good for you. I personally appreciate that. Vermonters once again put their shoulders to the wheel for the greater good. And as we all look past the horizon and see what could be coming with a shrug of our shoulders and a sigh, we don our masks again. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I have been myself.
3: Yep, me too.
2: In fact, I was down in Saratoga this week, and Mm -hmm. I one of the things I normally do my yearly trip to Saratoga Mm -hmm. is go to the racetrack and lose $100 but have fun (laughs) doing it. But uh, I decided that was a good place for a super spreader event. So I stayed in the motel and watched the live racing on the racing channel. Good for you. Made my imaginary bets, (laughs) and it's the first year in 33 years that I didn't lose $100.
3: <laughs> virtually you lost it
2: right well, I lost it, but hey, it's still in the bank account can you believe it
3: absolutely well we happen to be blessed with one republican governor who accepts his role as a leader and in the care of his people right by simply using his podium his bully pulpit to advocate for vaccines, caution, and masks, no mandate needed. I might emphasize, it's uh, when you look around the country and you watch other Republican governors playing uh, some sort of kids' game, like looks more like Twister than it does like anything else. Uh, uh, they're not using that same soapbox to encourage their people to get vaccines and mask up, and because they have shirked their duty, those governors. Not just the people in their state are suffering, but all of us are. And, uh,
2: Well, it should be, it should not be a political issue. Go with the science. I mean, Mm, mm. science uh, derives from the Latin word that means knowledge. You know, I mean, (laughs) we don't have to go any deeper than that. It it should be simple, right? right,
3: Here we are preaching to the choir, I think, as most of us. I'll just say a big thank you to Governor Scott and all of you folks here in Vermont. I think, uh, I think you deserve a, a round of applause and a back, a pat on the back for, for, uh, for just doing your duty. That's well, it. One thing I, I just
2: remind people, uh, you know, to, as I say, totally, you know, non political mm-hmm. statement. Yeah. But uh, there was a time in which most people, you know, were mm-hmm. wearing masks and doing so voluntarily and, mm-hmm. and gratefully. And nobody got the flu in this state. <laughs>
3: I heard two doctors talking about that yeah, yesterday.
2: No, nobody, nobody got the flu. Everybody stayed six feet apart. They wore a mask. And oh, you know, every, either either you know, I personally or someone yeah. I know get the flu. Yeah. nobody, nobody got the flu. Can you name anybody in the state that got the flu this past season?
3: They were actually it was the uh, the doctor show on Friday. Uh, what's this? Uh, you know, um, oh, Doctor
2: Lewis uh, first, th- you're right? That's up. right. And
3: they were talking about wow, nobody got the flu this year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> well, I guess we learn a few well, I mean, things. Then, I,
2: think that, I think that should you know speak for itself. But. It should, yeah.
3: Well, sort of along the same lines. Now,
2: if I put a mask on my tomato plant. Will it not get the blight? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, No, that won't work. (laughs) You'll have to spray it with a mask. (laughs) That's a spray mask. It's
2: kind of like a vaccination. It is.
3: It is. We're going to try to go for there. Yeah. Yeah. And and in that that light, in that same idea, right, I've been thinking about, well, gardening in the changing climate that we're – well, I think we're destined to have to work with. You know, there's no no question about it. Now, it's it's uh, our climates will change. Now, gardeners are used to changing weather. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's nothing new for them. If you don't like it, wait a minute. <laughs> that's that's par for the course. Year after year, you get a hot week in April or a hot week in May or a hot week in June or a cold week in August and a cold week in September, you know, you do, you have changes in, and, uh, uh, you know, they affect the garden plants differently and we make adjustments accordingly and nothing new to a gardener, you know, changing what we May be looking at or might change is like the severity of those weather events that's that's the thing that that we'll need to relearn, which is might be a hotter hot or a colder cold or a rainier rain or a drier drought any one of those you know we have to uh, uh, prepare for extreme extremes i guess and um unfortunately, we just have to accept the fact that oh, that, that's, that's gonna, that's gonna be in our future. And, uh, even if the other half actually gets the message about climate change, we're still, um, we're still in for it. The, the, the extremes. And, um, well, like anything that's deemed trash or a pollutant or, is in reality really a resource out of place. It's just like a, a, a dandelion or anything else we might call a weed in the garden. It's just a plant out of place. And most of the problem with carbon is it just simply is a resource that's out of place. You know, instead of the air, that carbon should be in the ground. And, you know, by simple agricultural uh, agricultural practices we can do that and that's that's something that we can do and as gardeners we are doing our part you know every day when we uh, fold up a piece of cardboard and put it in it seems like it's a pretty small thing to do but when we all do it we all practice those things and then it becomes a, a movement that has uh, a lot of impact and so just you know eating organic foods uh, uh trying to stay away from chemicals and chemical fertilizers um encouraging you know locally grown uh foods uh we are actually doing our small part as a gardener and of course gardening in itself is is a way to sequester uh, carbon uh, there's a real good book called cows save the planet that um um uh, uh, one of my fellow authors uh at Chelsea Green uh Judith Schultz no I'm sorry Judith Schwartz yes that's it Schwartz and uh it's it's a very interesting book about uh, how uh, how just different agricultural processes can help to sequester huge amounts of of uh, carbon and it's it's worth the read if anybody gets a chance but so what can we do to adjust to the extremes that we're absolutely certain to see Um, well, most of the things that we're going to do are things that we're already doing, um, just different things like uh, the perfect soil with vermiculite that's going to absorb a lot of the extra rain if we get a, a, a happen to have a, a heavy downpour heavy rain that helps to absorb you know good organic soil will absorb the extra water without puddling up and making uh, problems for your crops and on, on the same hand a, a drier drought when things are extra dry that same you know uh, healthy soil the vermiculite or perlite or whatever Will you know release that moisture, you know, and and help your crops. Those are those are important things. But we might have to do things like using um, shade cloth. And in fact, a, a shade cloth is can be used. Uh, you know, you can use that today just to grow like radishes and sprinages out of out of season. In a sense, when you want to grow something that that doesn't like the heat. Um, You can use a shade cloth to create a miniature climate, a mini climate in your garden. Or you can, you know, use just your sense of observation. Where's the cool spot in your garden? Which gets shaded first and which gets sun last? That type of thing. And, um, well, we're all familiar with all of these things because that's what it takes to garden. You know, you need to keep your head up, take a look make adjustments and and um but i wonder will we see more of things like late light, you know as the as the climate warms or we get uh you know different kinds of airstreams that kind of thing uh what kind of bugs are we going to have what kind of challenges uh you know will we see of course weather has always been changeable and i remember wearing a t-shirt in january to play basketball (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, well, yeah, you, you got to do you know do as the Romans do. We, we have somebody that's uh, probably going to add to our discussion well, right so. now. Let us see uh, your first name in town.
1: This is Noah. Hey, hey, Noah.
2: Good afternoon. How are you?
1: Good afternoon. Well, I'm listening to you, and I don't know whether to cry. (laughs) But you know what? The best thing about gardening is who we're working with. We're working with plants. Yeah. And they are so... Obliging and resilient and willing to kind of go with what they get.
3: And it's a good thing.
1: And it's such a good thing because we're not as resilient as they are and we're not as obliging. We want it our way. And I've seen that over and over again in my life. I've seen it this summer. Yeah. And it's very gratifying mm, to mm. work with such good companions. Um, I don't have anything deep and meaningful. I, I just. That's why I left the garden. Yeah, they're amazing. They really are. Yeah,
3: well, I will always remember the the uh, comment that uh, uh, that Richard Wiswall at uh, Kate Farms made to my wife, and and she was concerned about, oh, should she do this or should she should do that, or is it not, you know, one uh, to get this right or that right? And and Richard just looked at her and said, these plants want to grow. You don't have to worry about that. They want to grow. You they know. do.
1: They do with so, all their heart and
3: soul. Yes. You can so, do a lot of things wrong and still have a good garden.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I'll just get out of your way by saying those pumpkins that I'd mentioned a few weeks ago uh-huh. that I'd started yep. and yep. tucked in,
3: mm-hmm.
1: they have fruit on them.
3: Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, they're not
1: 50-pound pumpkins, but there's little knobbies.
3: Oh, yeah, the best. Those are the best for pies.
1: So let's, uh, yeah. i keep let's my fingers bacon. crossed for you. <laughs> yeah, we we will keep growing because it's still August, and and I, I think if there's anything we can learn from gardening is to be like our plants mm-hmm. and not give up.
3: Yeah, yeah, not give yeah. up, and you know, adjust to the changes that come your way. Yeah. And we all do that, even if we don't aren't giving ourselves credit for it. We all do that. And, uh, it, it really becomes very, very natural. Uh, when you think of the, of humanity and all the different kinds of places that people live, I mean, from the deserts of the Sahara to the, you know, to the almost, uh, uh, you know, constant snow of Alaska or the Greenland or Iceland or anything like that, you know, they, they, we are very adaptable, um, uh, beings and, and uh, yeah,
1: we, we can be. Or oh, we can yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. you
3: had to say that. I hear I was being so positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're being deep, philosophical. <laughs>
1: so I will save the Robert Frost poem for next week and wish Why? all of you a great gardening week.
3: Okay, good. Well, we'll Thank look you. forward to that, Nolan. Thank you Thanks. ahead of time. Bye-bye. <laughs>
2: Bye. <laughs> we'll go to our next caller. Oh, okay, good. First name in town, please. It's Lawrence in Marshfield.
3: Hey, Lawrence, how are you? How are things in Marshfield?
0: Uh, not too bad. I mean, some things are. The airwigs wiped out our our late carrots uh, mm. that were coming up and stuff. Usually, mm. I throw sweet Sicily around them.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: it seems to confuse them, but uh, this year I was a little bit slow on it and. One morning I got up and there was nothing.
3: <laughs> oh man, it's amazing, but, isn't it? How quickly they can decimate uh, crop. Now uh, go back to what you said about sweet Sicily. What what is that? It's
0: it's like a, it looks like a fern, but it's uh, it, it's. Very strong, uh, licorice taste, mm-hmm. and, uh, very aromatic, and, uh, I just rip off a bunch of leaves. They do that with the beans, too, before they get there their main leaves coming up, hmm. and I just throw it over it. And it hmm. seems to confuse them or something because uh, they seem to leave it ar- alone. Well that's interesting. Rip it up, But it, it could be other aromatic plants, too, tansy or other things that are real strong. But hmm. I, I use sweet sicily. Some people use it. You can make a, a licorice tea out of it, or some people make a liqueur out of it. Hmm. Too, so, uh, and
3: and so, what do you you just sort of spray this on the dirt around where you planted your your? No,
0: I just take the leaves in the evening. I just take the leaves and break them up and just throw them all around on the plants and all around it. Oh,
3: I have to say, that's the first I've heard of that. What an interesting thing!
0: It seems to work, and uh, and not doing it seems to.
3: Not problematic. <laughs> be a problem. Okay. Well, listen. Uh, just a, a tip on carrots. Uh, you could try this, and I don't know if it would uh, uh, stop them. I plant my carrots in a in a four by four bed. Two hundred fifty six carrot seeds uh, times two. I usually put two in each hole, and then I water it real good, and I put a piece of plywood right on top of it. Okay, covers the whole yeah. bed, and I put a, a bunch of rocks on top of there for the first week. And then after that, uh, once they come up, they seem to uh, to do really well. It takes about one week for them to actually sprout under that board.
0: Well, we don't. We usually are on top of it, and we water it about two or three times a day if it hasn't Mm. rained. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it and it comes up okay, but it was
3: oh, it's after
1: it was
0: a period before they. They really got out their uh, primary leaves that, uh, you know, just had their, I, I mean, their secondary leaves. Okay. It, it, they get them. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I was calling because uh, with another Richard Wiswell story, yeah. is Connie's favorite one. It was a number of years ago where we had really wet spring, and in a back field on the other side of the the river uh Richard was growing a field of broccoli Oh, yeah and and it flooded out that field and drowned out all the broccoli Ooh, and ouch. he was yeah he was pretty upset but you know as a farmer he just went with it this was <laughs> when he was doing more mm. market gardening and
3: the CSAs CSA and yeah yeah
0: Uh, So he just left and didn't even really go out there until in the fall. And when he came out, he had a field of broccoli that was all (laughs) flowered out and (laughs) and seeds. And he, that's when he, he told Connie the same thing that he told your wife. He says, "Plants just
3: want to live. Just want to live." <laughs>
0: so they they survived the flood, and if he would have came out earlier, he probably would have had a full field of broccoli to sell.
3: <laughs> As I said frequently, the best tool in the box is the gardener himself. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Lawrence. I appreciate that. Very I hope. Good. Richard, (laughs) here's We have another call, Lawrence, so I'm going to go to Brian and Eden, and thanks.
4: (laughs) Brian. Hi, how are you? I got two quick things here. Um, First of all, I have to give my Wiz story, too. Um, Mm -hmm. I was his apprentice back, probably one of the first ones they had back in the early 80s. Oh, man and uh same exact story and i've quoted what you say all the time i get a kick every time you mention it but i was actually transplanting um seedlings Mm -hmm. and apparently i was being a little too careful with them and taking a little too much time and he was like he's um may want to live you have to try to kill him it was so funny and i i repeat that to other people when i see him doing that now um and the next thing is just gardening this year uh we've had almost drought conditions the last two summers mm. up this way and we get enough rain this year
1: mm-hmm. and uh,
4: everybody i know instead of complaining about you know lack of water or bugs or anything else everyone's clearing the decks right now mm-hmm. we've had bumper berry crops mm-hmm. And everybody's clearing the decks like, oh, my goodness, how are we going to process oh, all this produce? Which is no. a, a great problem to have. <laughs> it is, isn't it? That's what everybody's <laughs> talking about. So it's a good year for vegetables up this way.
3: <laughs> as I said, you know, gardeners are well-conditioned to climate change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
4: Because no, okay. every
3: year is a little bit different. And I, I, will, uh, I will echo that. Uh, my, I just went, uh, it, as I've mentioned before. I, I'm not living at where my garden is, so I, yesterday I had to drive by and I looked, and there were a bumper crop of of uh, blueberries, and I'm just chomping at the bit to get there with my two grandsons and pick, you know, probably ten quarts anyway of of uh, beautiful big big blueberries. So I'm I'm delighted with that. I can't wait to have them see it because they get such a kick out of it. They're so thrilled with the garden. And, uh, I brought, I bought, uh, two little shovels today for my little gardeners to get in the garden and, and, uh, help me, uh, you know, pull up a few things like, uh, well, we've got garlic and onions to pull up and they'll have a good time. And that's just a, a wonderful thing is to see the kid, the little kids in there and they just, they get the garden right away. There's no, you don't have to convince them of anything.
4: It's so good for them, and it sticks with them for mm, life. You mm. don't even know the impact it makes. You think it's a fun afternoon, and yep. you've set up toll for somebody's life. You know, oh, it's so great.
3: And last fall, we picked potatoes, and, <laughs> and my little August, he says, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> you know, I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah well, I think that's As you said. Garden
4: with my grandparents, it was same thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my grandmother was a great gardener, and uh, – <laughs> I mean, she uh, she put up enough stuff for a year, without a doubt. So, and, and it was a little patch in in the middle of Buffalo, the city. You know.
5: Oh, were. nice. <laughs> well,
4: I'm so. much better growing stuff than processing it. So I have to actually do what oh, I'm doing with all the yeah. stuff we're coming up with there.
3: Absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks for the whiz story. I really appreciate that.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Take care. All
3: right. Take care.
2: Okay. Thank you for the calls. Lines are open. And I do want to acknowledge the fine sponsors that make our program possible each and every week.
5: Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont, where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes, and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats.
2: It's In the Garden with Peter Burke, 244-1777 or toll-free 877-291-8255. Lines are open, and here's Peter.
3: Yeah, if you have any gardening questions or, as I have said previously, anything you want to boast about, anything that you think is coming up, a really big, extra big tomato, a beautiful crop of broccoli, uh, uh, an amazing batch of peas. Now, I had an amazing batch of peas this earlier this year, and uh, it was uh, one variety that, that just – I've never seen so many peas in a pod. Do we have a call? All right. Well, I'll take it up. From, we'll take it up from there,
2: I guess. Some would say that we are like two peas in a pod. <laughs> you, huh? <laughs> you bet. Party movie. You bet. We are, are. We have a caller on the line. Your first name in town.
6: Liz from Waitsfield.
2: And that was
3: Liz. Did you say? Him? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Liz. All right. And, uh, hello. What's hello. up?
6: Um, I have a question for you. How do you get rid of horsetails in the garden?
3: Oh boy. Um, uh, that's an unusual weed, horsetails, because uh horsetails are generally in a sort of a swampy area um, Do you have a swampy area nearby or no uh, no, no we don't uh,
6: we're out in an old pasture're
3: out in an old pasture well um the first thing is you should do a a soil test for pH because usually it needs to be pretty acidic for them to to grow. Um, sort of like having ferns or or you know moss growing in your garden it 's got to be fairly acidic, so I would uh, if you don 't do a soil test at least uh, give it a good dose of lime and that would be oh a teaspoon per four square foot it 's a cup in a four by four bed, two cups in a four by eight bed you know what size how big a garden do you have
6: well i don 't know. It's not that big, but my husband knows the dimensions, but oh, he's yeah. not
3: here. Yeah, okay. Well, um I would I would start there and uh and and make sure sure you have uh uh you put it on some lime, even a dolomite lime would be good, because that would give you a little manganese uh, as well in there. But um uh if you if you can't do a soil test, uh start with a lime and see if that doesn't set him back and if it doesn't give me a holler. Uh, that that should do the trick though.
6: Okay. Well,
3: that's a good tip. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right. Good.
2: Good. Um, all right. Yeah, and uh I was told once a long time ago, never, never put them in your compost pile. <laughs> the they horse. will survive anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. It's kind of
3: like the same thing with right. comfrey, right? Yes. Don't yes. ever <laughs> yep. put comfrey in because uh we have uh, comfrey – well, we, uh, we did some, uh, um, work in our in our yard, and the bulldozer managed to spread comfrey throughout the whole lawn, and it it actually looked like little green rabbit ears in, <laughs> around the whole lawn. It took us years of mowing every week to to finally set them back, but they're growing very well down over the bank. And uh <laughs> and fortunately, they're you know the the hummingbirds absolutely love comfrey, so you can't really lose too much. Yeah. And comfrey is a great addition to the compost pile, too, if you just cut the greens. Just make sure you don't put the roots in there.
2: There's a hummingbird behind you on the calendar over there. Yeah, I saw that. What's he sitting on?
3: He's sitting on a willow.
2: A willow. That's a willow. Okay, I can't see from here.
3: Yeah. 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 And uh, I don't know what kind it is. It looks like some sort of a red... It has a red mask on it. It's not a red-throated, so. Not one of our guys. No, No, I would think not, no.
2: We have only that one species. The, the
3: throat, red throat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it has that sort of fluorescent green. Green on the back. Yeah. The
2: male has a little black under it. Yeah. yeah.
3: One of the guys at work, uh, uh, was, uh, he said that He thought he had those murder hornets in his yard. (laughs) He's going, he was going to go, uh, Friday night or this morning and go dig them up and see, see what that were, were there. And, uh, he was very surprised and I, I, it just can't be.
2: Well, on the Friday, CBS News said that. but this was the network news. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the United States.
3: Washington they, State. I looked they, it up they afterwards.
2: Found, uh, they found some live ones yeah. back again. Yeah. Know, so. yeah,
3: that's out in Washington State. And uh, I, I would be very surprised. They had this sort of uh, orangish-red stripe on them, and they were, you know, good size, maybe yep. an inch or so. I, I, I seem to think that the pictures I've seen in the murder hornets, they were larger than that. They were more like well, two or three inches. They but,
2: act like they're two or three <laughs> You
3: know, <laughs> well but they're they're not a, a people thing. They're uh they they feast on other wasps and yeah. and bees. We
2: yeah, got a yeah, call there? Yeah, we do have a call. All so. right. And uh well uh, good afternoon. You're on the air, your first name in town.
0: Yeah, this is Lawrence of Marshfield with one more story. Okay, okay. go
1: for it, Lawrence. It's
0: uh Adele Dawson
1: uh, mm. who
0: uh was a very famous uh in this central Vermont area for herbalists and gardeners. She,
3: I remember her a, well, yes.
0: She was great. And uh, she uh, was at a garden club one time, and apparently the year before, she had comfrey and passed it out.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh,
0: one person raised her hand and said, you know, that comfrey you gave me, uh, it didn't survive. It died. <laughs> no, and Adele said... Really? Tell us how you did it. <laughs>
3: bye, bye. Bye. Thanks, bye. Lawrence. Del Dawson was quite the herbalist, and she she had a place in Marshfield that was seemed to be right along a falls, and it was really a, a beautiful spot. And uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, that's that's something. How would you, how could you possibly get rid of comfort?
2: I should turn the mic on if yeah. you, if you want if you want somebody to kill a plant just call me. I put <laughs> my I, I've had this coffee plant for about No, six years, and I've had it in the dark in the corner on my kitchen, you know, kitchen table on a cabinet that I don't use, just you know, kind of out of the wall. It doesn't get much light at all. So I said, I'm putting it in the sunroom, giving it a fair chance. Mm -hmm. It died in a week's time, (laughs) you know. So I thought coffee plants like light, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, This one, this one had dark adapted.
3: Uh, I guess, I guess maybe it was too much, too quick. yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where you need to gradually, gradually work well, you, up
2: to it. You learn a lesson. I, I, you know, I should have looked it up. I should have called, you know, horticulturalist mm-hmm. Google, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, just to, you know, just get a basic idea of what, what I was, I uh, was doing. <laughs> but I feel bad. You know, it was like a, like an old friend that I put him out there to his doom.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's like that. I, I've done that, uh, well, uh, my nemesis is the, um, you know, putting them out to to uh to harden, harden. them off. <laughs> and that seems to be the death death of most of my plants is when I try to harden them off.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, well they yeah, they'll harden pretty well at like 12 below 0. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm not looking for that kind of hard. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but I have learned better how to harden yeah. them off and and so I can grow some of my own plants, although I still rely on uh, Richard and all the wonderful farmers that we have here in Vermont, which we're very lucky to have. Um, and uh, in, the, in the garden, um, there's lots of things to do. If you haven't uh, harvested your garlic, I'm sure it's time to to harvest. And uh, you want to make sure you do that soon because if you don't harvest it, uh, what happens is that the, the head of the garlic, the individual cloves kind of spread out. They open up and they, they don't store quite as well, uh, in that way. You know, the, the, the layer of skin on that nice tight, uh, garlic, uh, clove is is real important for a long lasting uh, uh storage so uh, as much as you know you might want to put it off a little while longer and you're not sure i am sure that you need to get in there and and uh, harvest that garlic if you haven't done it yet and uh, and and in the same at the same breath you should be looking up your um to get your uh, garlic to replant if you're buying it this is a good time to to go ahead and buy it and it's kind of like uh making sure you get your jars at the at the hardware store um i went to agway and they they i needed a gallon jar my my son is making uh, uh kombucha you know if you're familiar with that he's and he wanted a gallon jar or even a you know a half gallon jar would have been fine and and um inga there said uh, nope nope you got to go up to walmart's for for gallon half gallon jars <laughs> we don't have any they haven't given us any so she was a, l- a little bit ripped that they hadn't you know given her an allocation of of all the different types of jars but anyway um if you need a gallon jar you might go up there and uh if you've never made kombucha, I've been watching my son do it and it's a, it's a fascinating uh, art form. It's just sort of like making yogurt or, or sauerkraut or anything. There are certain very important steps to, to follow and, and this is that fun time of year when it really is time to, uh, to start uh, being getting serious about what you're going to store and what you're going to harvest now, um, the blueberries. Although I suspect we'll eat a lot of blueberries this afternoon, <clears throat> we will probably put a lot of them right in the freezer, which is such a, um, a you know it's just so much fun. Hey, have you frozen your strawberries yet?
2: Uh, well, I I, I always f- freeze them, <laughs> and uh, this year this year though I used all the ones that I had to make my strawberries rhubarb oh yeah, yeah i did finally get some rhubarb we do have a caller oh good on, on on the line and let us see that is but your first name in town you're on the air
6: hi this is karen from hague new york hey karen
3: how, how are, are you? you yeah i'm good i'm good good to hear you're you good now, H- Hague is right across the line. Is that over near Whitehall? Yeah.
6: Yeah? Uh, no, it's north of Whitehall. Oh, just north. below Fort Ticonderoga. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah, right, right.
6: Across from uh, Middlebury there.
3: Well, well so. welcome aboard. It's good to have you call. What's
6: up? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I have a question about compost tea. Okay. And uh, my squash plants. So I, I'm kind of a new uh, or back to new squash grower I hadn't Mm -hmm. grown winter squash in a long time and and a show or two ago I heard you talking about the compost tea for the uh, mildew uh, which I haven't noticed any Mm -hmm. uh, mildew yet Mm -hmm. so first of all is it a uh, necessary procedure to spray with the no. something. Even if you're not seeing it, or...
3: nope, nope. You can you can pass on it. That's this, uh-huh. and just wait till you you see the first spots of it. And That's fine. That'll work out just fine. It's uh, it spreads pretty quickly, so you do want to keep your eye uh on it, uh, so that as soon as you see some, you can spray it. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's not a strictly. It's sort of a little like flea beetles. The uh, flea beetles will. Um you know, chew holes in in your tomato plants uh within uh, about a week and then another week they actually all disappear uh in this case uh at this time, you know you might get the powdery mildew, but um your squashes will be pretty well set by that time mm-hmm. and so if your squashes are pretty well set and pretty well green i mean uh, uh ripened then you don 't need to worry about it at all. Okay. Uh, uh, but if, if it's a persistent problem you have in your area, you might actually uh, benefit from starting to control it a little bit now. And mm-hmm. if, you're, if your, if um, your squash is still a little on the small side and you want to get more growth out of them then the compost tea does both uh and, and it's not just compost tea you could use fish uh you know the fish emulsion um you could use uh, the seaweed uh, uh liquid seaweed uh you could use uh, there's one called serenade that you can get you can spray it with a with a fungicide just a, the regular copper uh fungicide um, all those are, you know, or, approved for organic gardening. And any one of those will change the, the pH on the leaves so that, uh, the molds won't grow. Okay. Uh,
6: uh, I, I was getting prepared to make the compost tea. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, looking, uh, at my vegetable gardener's Bible, mm-hmm. my head, and, mm-hmm. and, um, it suggested making it, um, with, uh, aeration, so, mm-hmm. I purchased a small little uh, aquarium pump, and oh. I'm oh, wow. planning on doing the little, you know, project of making that. So, yeah. I, so to do that, I would, I'm just going to put some. I have some very nice compost. I'm, mm. I'm going to put that in a, in a cloth bag mm-hmm. and in a, say, a five gallon pail. Sure. And then put that little pump in there, and just uh, super. Yeah, brew up some tea. Is that the way I would
3: do yep. it? Yep, that, that that's it. You can do it now. I have never used the pump myself, but I know that uh, Ed seemed to like that. Um, and the theory is is good. You know, it it aerates it and oxidizes it, and and that's all good. You might throw some fish uh, uh fish emulsion in there as well, just for a okay. little more fertilizer. But you know, the the object of of what you're doing. Uh, what is first and foremost is change of pH on the, on the leaves. And so that's okay. why you can use baking soda or milk or, and then if you want to fertilize them at the same time, the compost tea or the fish emulsion or even uh, the seaweed. So you've got a lot of different tools you can use.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: And, uh, that compost tea is good for absolutely everything. So.
6: Yeah, so once uh, I make a bucket of that, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. That's good for the season, you'd say. You yep, know, that's, absolutely. Yeah, that's
3: plenty. Yeah, yep. It lasts and, yeah, it'll yeah, smell well. like manure. I warn you.
6: Sure. <laughs> I like. The, I'm an old farm girl. I like
3: that doesn't. That doesn't turn your no. nose up, yeah. No, right. it doesn't. No. Yeah, yeah. The Good Earth, as they say, you know that. Oh yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorites too.
6: Right. Okay. Well thank you once well, again for yeah. your advice. I appreciate it.
3: And uh, Well you're very welcome and and I appreciate your call, Karen. Good luck with right. it. Let me know how it goes. If the Okay. okay? I I
6: well a squash. You're looking good. All right. Okay. I like thank that.
3: you. <laughs> all right. So um, are we due for another break or should well,
2: yeah, we 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 can take another break now. We'll be going until uh, about 1.30, a little closer to normal time today because yeah. we've got Tom Beardsley scheduled at the, uh, okay. car show to come back with, uh, some reports there and. All right, uh, good. All kinds of things happening today. Absolutely. here At, uh, Friends of here. Yes, <laughs> Air. Yeah. yes well, you do. Well, we've got, uh, a name I recognize. Lee Cattell is on the line for you, uh, and, uh, let's, let's see what's, uh, what's happening in his garden. Hey, Lee.
4: Morning, Peter, or afternoon. <laughs> what time zone are we in today?
3: <laughs>
4: um, I gotta, I gotta it's the right out. time. <laughs> I, I started my uh, I started my zucchini a little late. Uh-huh. But I, I took off for a couple of days, and now I've actually seen some fruit starting to uh, shoot out from the bloom. So sure. that's all very exciting. Oh, yeah. Uh, but my question is, when they start to gain weight and come toward the ground, is there any danger of them potentially rotting from, be- from coming into contact with the soil?
3: Uh, not really. I mean, they're, they're pretty well adapted to that uh, reality. What you can do is uh, you can slip in a handful of, uh, of straw underneath there. You can slip in uh, a little bit of cardboard if you want to, uh, if you're really worried about it. Uh, But for the most part, they're they're pretty well adapted to to laying on the ground. What you'll see is um, occasionally uh, the slugs will come out and cover them up, uh, or it'll be yellow on the bottom side where it's touching the ground. Um, so, there's a good reason just to put a little hay or a little straw right underneath them and give them a, a, a place to rest that's not right directly on the ground.
4: And if cardboard happens to get wet, is that potentially not a problematic? A prob- no, not a
3: problem, problem? at all. Okay. Not a problem at all. Matter of fact, there's no reason not to go ahead and wet it just to keep it, you know, give it some heft so it doesn't blow away.
4: Okay. Awesome. I appreciate that. Yes yeah, very sure,
3: much. Surely. Yeah, yeah, good luck with your zooks. <laughs> um did you say we have another call from Jack and Versher? Hey Jack. How are you?
5: I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking thanks for talking to me, here, Joel.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well what's going on I, uh, in Versher?
5: Well Sue grows a lot of flowers, but I'm mainly growing apple trees. Oh, is that I've been, right? Been, I've been putting them in for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, and, and I probably have, uh, I don't know, maybe 30 of them in now. Wow. Some, some uh, you know, one inch in diameter, some already up to four.
3: Mm-hmm, yeah. And,
5: uh, you know, I'm getting two to maybe 40 apples a year on, on these trees. Yeah, yeah. And and I've been able to – my, my protocol has been to put a little um, – you know, put a ring of uh, compost every year and, and wood chips around yeah. the, at, the, at, the, at the leaf, um, you know, the drip line. Yeah. And now the drip line is getting pretty big.
3: It is. And, it will.
5: And, uh, and should I – and I just wonder, like, how do people keep maintaining these things even when they're skinny little stalks? <laughs> Their the, the branches are pretty big. Yeah. I wonder if I should keep dumping compost and, and, uh, and uh, wood chips on them, or if if, if there's something easier or better that I could be doing.
3: Well, the the wood chips pretty much are just a good mulch, right? So there's not much maintenance involved in that, or or what am I missing?
2: Well,
5: uh, now it used to be a bag of mulch per tree, and now um, now I'm I'm getting into maybe thinking about hiring somebody to drop off a load. A
3: load, yeah, right. I guess I could
5: keep doing that, but maybe... I I don't know, I I look Mm. under there, I don't know what's going on under there, and maybe I'm overdoing it, or...
3: I, a mulch is not overdoing it. A mulch is a, is a terrific way to to keep the grass out because the grass will, um, you know, will suck up a lot of the the nutrients and the water that the that the tree needs. So I would mm-hmm. stay with the mulch approach and uh you know use mm-hmm. use the mulch as a place to put your fertilizers and all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, t- what do you said? You're up to about thirty trees, did you say? Yeah, that's and now are these uh, dwarf or semi-dwarf or full?
5: Well, I've got, I've got quite a few uh, standards, uh-huh. and uh, the smallest I go is semi-dwarf. Uh-huh. Sometimes I can't get standards in the varieties that I like.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. What kind of varieties are you planting?
5: Well, I've got uh, the ones that that are that I'm picking now are um, uh, pristines, and they're, oh, they're beautiful. That's and, a oh, beautiful,
3: I know I have one of those myself, and I just, yeah, that's a yellow, cool. right?
5: Yeah, it's a yellow. Yeah, I yeah. think maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe that's a, the
3: one. A, a,
5: a grandson of a. Yep. Uh, uh, translucent or something. I don't it know is.
3: Yeah, it. And, it, and it's a wonderful, wonderful apple. I, it just simply because it's early is one good reason. Yeah. But it's yeah. also a very sweet and, and delicious. It's not a keeper, but it certainly is a, right. a, a, a wonderful. Uh, wonderful apple. We make uh, oh, just a- everything you can imagine with them this time of year.
5: Oh, I think they're gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I've
5: got some, you know, some quirky ones like the Cox's Orange Pippin, and, you know, <laughs> like whatever, you know. So, you know I like yeah. the
3: way you think, <laughs> Jack. This is great.
5: Anyway. You know, 30 just...
3: apple trees, you do realize that, that you're talking about bushels and bushels of apples, right?
5: Well, not yet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you, That's what you're in for eventually, yeah, right? Well,
5: maybe not, maybe not me. Maybe somebody
3: else. Right? <laughs> well, anyway. you know, you probably make it. Uh, and um, we, we're in a rented house right now over in Plainfield, and uh the fellow jay has uh, uh it's uh, it about eight pear trees and uh, he said one year he he pulled all of the pears off and took almost 1200 pounds down to the food shelf you know because he oh, wasn't going to really. be able to to um yeah. to handle them all and then one year he came back and somebody else had done the same thing without him yeah wow so uh anyway you know there's there's just so many ways and uh, uh, you know in in the course of my you know gardening experience i've sort of focused on what do you need for two people to provide all the fruit you need and if you start with a daily minimum requirement, it's about 350 pounds per person, or about 700 pounds of of uh, fruit, and you know whether that's strawberries or grapes or blueberries or mm-hmm. you know all those different things, yeah. even melons or whatever. Um, that uh, you know that's uh, that's what you need for two people. I don't know how many people you're feeding. But, um, well,
5: yeah, and part of it for me is is that uh, you know we're in Vershire here, here there, there are a lot of two hundred year old apple trees.
3: Oh man, that
5: are that are sort of you know in the woods and or maybe mm-hmm. by a, a you know a. a piece of swamp land where there hasn't been, you know, overstory. And mm-hmm. I keep thinking about these people years and years ago were planting apple trees, and these yep. guys are going by, and I figure, yeah. well.
3: Yeah, preserve some of those, those yeah. Uh, varieties, yeah. Uh, there's an apple tree on Route 2 as you come out of East you're headed towards uh, Plainfield. And I swear it is the size of a maple tree. It's huge. I mean it's a good forty feet and it's just covered with apples. And I have often thought, well, if you could get true to you know, true to seed from the from the apple seed, but you can't. You have to you have to grab a, a graft in order to get the, right. yep. the true to it. So um but I've often thought, you know, well, let should go cut a branch of that tree because that's gotta be the biggest a- apple tree I have ever seen, but so I know you what you're, what you mean about preserving those those varieties that are just uh, do you do grafting do you no you do? no
5: i don 't yeah,
3: uh-uh. yeah. i 'll leave that to Nico and all those other great uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah people who uh, who really know how to do that stuff but, yeah,
5: that's
3: good uh, but i saw I was reading a very interesting uh, because what uh, my what i 'm trying to do is uh, have a tree that fits within my garden, you know, my uh-huh. four by four beds. And what I have is I've got three two by four beds that I plant uh, a dwarf tree in each one of them. And, uh, I was reading an article in Mother Earth News about actually using a standard variety and making a dwarf out of it by simply, you know, cutting them back and training it. So I'm gonna yeah. give that a try. To, you know, to try to use a standard, var- standard variety to to grow, and uh, because uh, my dad was a big one for the espalier, uh, you know, espalier. Uh, oh, he yeah, had some yeah. wonderful uh, pear trees, uh, you know, right up against the house that he espaliered, and you know, yeah. out and up, and, you know, they looked beautiful, and they just they made tons of really beautiful pears. They were Bosch pears, and they were really delicious. So that's, Where was he living? Uh, he was in Pennsylvania, right uh, along the oh, yeah. Noshonic River, uh, uh, you know, not far from uh, Grove City, and, you know, uh, well, actually, right off of Route 80. <laughs> so <laughs> right through the middle. And, uh, uh but, uh, you know, there's no reason you can't do that with uh, any of the trees that we can grow. Have you no ever have you ever tried any peaches?
5: Uh, no, I yeah. think it's a little too cold in harsh here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do have a pear, an ancient pear up there, which I am sort of, you know, taking back down to uh, yeah. the height where I can pick them. It's yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And it's got little, tiny, hard pears. I don't know what variety it is.
3: It's probably a sickle, right? The sickle pear? The That's that's a tiny, hard one.
5: Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I, I never looked into it, but yeah. I, I figured I'd, I'd get it down to size. But, you know, it blossoms beautifully and it grows well. But, <laughs> but the pears are, for me, sort of
3: inedible. <laughs> well, you have to let them, they have to ripen. You have to pick them hard and let them ripen. Oh, and And the other thing is I mentioned uh in an earlier show um if you cut them in half and put them in the oven and bake them, they soften up beautiful, they become a wonderful, wonderful dessert, a little maple syrup uh you know maybe yeah. a little oil in the bottom of the pan, and uh, they bake down and they just they make a a terrific you hold them by the stem and just eat them and they 're wonderful so
5: and do you happen to know, do they, do they, um, um, uh, do they, uh, can, can one tree alone of a sickle uh, do okay, or does yeah. it need a second pair?
3: No, you, you can do it with one. Yeah. Yeah. Self fertilizing, I guess, is what they call it.
5: Self, uh, I was trying to think of the word, yeah. Pollinating. German. Yeah. yeah. Pollinating. Yeah. There it is.
3: There you go. Yep. There's a there's a much more technical name, Jack, but you and I forget it. We yep. know what we're yep. talking about. <laughs> yep.
5: Okay. Well well thanks a lot. So keep going with the wood chips.
3: I I would say absolutely and um okay. uh there are uh there's a, another very good book. Oh boy. Right now they uh Again by Chelsea Green. If you go on their website and check out a he's Yeah, I the, know them. Have you seen that uh um and he gives a, a very good spray recommendation, which I find is fascinating because he uses, you know, um, uh, fish emulsion or compost tea, a couple of different kinds of teas that he uses. And, you oh, know, nice. yeah, it's a, it's, 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 it's a lot of maintenance, but again, it's, you get these wonderful fruits without any, any bugs on them and it's well worth it. And, that's great. Anyway, that's, yeah, uh, thanks. let me know how it goes. I'm okay, well, thank you very much, Peter. Really appreciate your help. Sure. Yeah, glad to. Okay. And I guess we, at this point, we sort of have to say
2: adios. Yeah, I, we kind of, we're right, well, we're right, we're right on time. Right. <laughs> Imagine <I'll mention> that. <laughs> how about that? Well, to all of my gardener friends,
3: I say have a good week and we will talk to you next week. And, uh, and if you can come on and enjoy the Car show. I was going to ask Joel what his favorite car is, but I think we've run out of time.
2: I'll, I'll quickly tell you my my old 1950 Studebaker. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's still my my favorite. I hope to drive it once again before I leave this veil of tears. It's been sitting dormant for the last couple, but uh, you know, anything yeah. is possible. Anything's possible. Garage, yeah.
3: For me, it's a 57 Chevy. That's oh, beautiful. The, that's Absolutely. just yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll
2: see you at the car show in a while, but next week in the garden.
3: In the garden. (laughs) Inch
0: Inch by inch, row by row, going to make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch. Row by row, someone bless
1: these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down.